The wheel of time turns and ages come and go, leaving memories that become legend. Legend fades to myth, and even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave it birth comes again. In one age, called the Third Age by some, an age yet to come, an age long past, a wind rose in the mountains of mist. The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the Wheel of Time. But it was a beginning. The Wheel of Time turns and podcasts come and go. Welcome to Wattcast, a Wheel of Time book and watch club. We are reading through Robert Jordan's epic fantasy series and watching Amazon's Wheel of Time TV show. I'm Caleb Wimble, and with me are Dan Katinsky. Hey, everyone. And Kaylee Frank. Hello. You can find us at Wattcast.net and support the show at Patreon.com slash Wattcast. Your support means a lot. $2 at the Two Rivers tier helps immensely. And if you join us on the Harvalon tier at $5, you will get access to special bonus episodes where we talk about things with guests like Dune and The Witcher. Email us questions, comments, and corrections via contact at Wattcast.net with the subject line questions. We'll answer them here on the show. For those unfamiliar, The Wheel of Time is an epic fantasy series by Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson. We have read through the first book, The Eye of the World, and watched the first season of Amazon's TV adaptation. Today, we are digging into book two of the series, The Great Hunt, chapters 16 to 20, if you're reading along. All right, so uh, what happens in these chapters in brief? Uh, you know, let, let's see if I can get this down to the, the five-sentence summary overall today, do, doing the one for... Each chapter. So, uh, well, I guess to begin with recapping where we left folks last time, uh, Brandon Loyal and Huron, our Hunters in the Horn, are in this other world that they pass to through a strange traveling stone of some kind. Uh, and meanwhile, um, the, uh, the, uh, the other guys are looking for them from Shinar, and we have Egwene and Nynaeve on the way to Tarvalon. That's pretty much what we, what we had things last episode. So uh, this time around, in chapter 16 to 20, Rand's group in the other world, they, they find a bunch of strange artifacts in the world that are not of their world and indicate that uh, they're in some sort of alternate timeline, maybe. And they run into a woman being chased by a monster, a grom, which is like a three-eyed, frog-like, bear-shaped uh, thing, which, which Rand manages to kill and uh, save the woman question mark uh pin put in put in later something suspicious about all this uh then they are chased by more grom towards another portal stone uh at which point celine the the woman they have met in this other world who seems to know an awful lot about the place uh is you know sort of trying to coax rand into giving into the oneness and embracing that that flame and the void state uh, which Rand ultimately uses to open the portal stone after a whole bunch of hullabaloo about whether or not to use it to open the portal stone. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, yeah, they, they get back and then uh, manage to hunt down Podden Fane and the Dark Friends and the Trolloc and to steal the dagger and horn back before running into this giant artifact in which a very strange scene happens that seems to beckon Rand with the power with Saiyadin. Meanwhile, Egwene and Nynaeve uh, are getting close to Tarvalin, uh, get um, humiliated uh, and, and abused by the, the Amaralyn seat, and then arrive at Tarvalin and meet the mistress 
of novices. And I think that pretty much brings us up to date. A very a long and tortured series of five sentences. Uh, so, uh, first thoughts on these chapters. Uh, Keely, what did you like here and, and what, what stood out to you? I really enjoyed the idea of there being this huge statue that they're just digging up that like somehow got buried. Um, something about that imagery was just really satisfying. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of, you know, what happens in Lord of the Rings and in some other fantasy type settings, uh, primarily when people are on boats normally, but just <laughs> seeing like these massive uh, either sculptures or statues. It's just like amazing. Like uh, my husband just replayed um, one of the Uncharted games and mm. there's there's a scene where they finally get to, you know, where they're going to look for treasure. And it's just like this massive statue thingy that's like carved into a mountain and that is yeah. so satisfying <laughs> just like the scope of like something just being fucking huge is so mm -hmm. satisfying to me so that's kind of what i was imagining um that they were seeing and then also that like rand was right on the edge of it and it was like pulling him in and like would he and his i mean i would have been upset if the horse fell but like i don't care if rand <laughs> yeah. falls in this giant thing but <laughs> i like i like that that was that there was that imagery there i feel like jordan does a really good job of setting the stage so that you feel like you're kind of experiencing it with the characters mm -hmm. um that was one of the only things <laughs> that i enjoyed from these chapters there i did feel that real sense of awe with that you get the sense of you know uh like you said one of the things that that he does well so far is when you get these artifacts being uncovered or discovered from the world before the the, the breaking and the sense of the scale of what was possible then also notably, and I'm sure we, we, we will have things to say about Celine, the woman we meet in the other world. This is, I think, uh, that was the moment, the only moment where she ever, ever to me seemed genuinely afraid or perturbed about anything. She seems like way too chill and way too aware with, with everything else happening, which, uh, and, you know, knows so much that leads Rand to constantly be asking whether she's in Aes Sedai, uh, which she gets really uh, peeved about. But this is the one moment where she seems genuinely terrified and that Rand is going to slip into this thing that, that calls there. Yeah. So uh, what, what about you, Dan? What, what were the, what were the highlights for you here? Uh, I really loved everything surrounding the void and just the way um, like Robert Jordan describes like it, it all leads back to the magic system for me. I think he's doing an excellent job. I get really excited whenever he goes into it. Like when it's it's such an interesting concept. It it feels very similar to Dune. I'm getting Dune vibes from these latest <laughs> chapters, but I kind of love it because like in Dune, he's got like the I'm spacing on the term for it there, the but he voice. has like the ability there, yeah, the voice and being able to like control people. But here, I feel like it's it's drawn out, almost has a little bit of a shonen vibe to it because I, I love the the sequence when he's like repeating all the different like like the the crane like wings like open or whatever he's just like going through naming all oh, the, the sword like, forms moves that, yeah, yeah yeah all the sword forms that lance taught him i thought that was really cool <laughs> those are very, very anime yeah. <laughs> yeah it was like very anime but it also just had like it, it, it creates some really cool like like visuals in my head while he's fighting it just made him seem like a badass and he never feels like a badass so i was like okay this is kind of i like the, the concept of this void that kind of just gives him this high where he's like desensitized everything around him and he can just he can just focus there's something really appealing about that it's, it, it's finally a fantasy series that's given me something where i'd be like oh shit i wish i had that in real life because that's like my favorite mm. thing like if I'm, if I'm reading a fantasy i want like that escapism aspect or something that's really draws you in the, the literal power the, fantasy part of it yeah yeah it's like the void would be such an awesome concept to have in real life if you could just like i feel like emotions and anxiety prevents prevent me from doing so much and if i could just like 
go into the void and just like be able to like do stuff without having to like think about like all the mm-hmm. little things that distract you. I don't know. There's something really cool about them the way he describes it. And then same with like the the magic and like on the boat when um the Amarillin seats just like kind of beating oh, them up. Yeah. Like I I thought that was a really intense scene. It gives a lot like these those characters are starting to become very three dimensional. There's a lot going on there. It's very it's abusive, but it's also like kind of I feel like Nynaeve's been asking for it this entire time. Like she's getting me really annoyed with just like how stubborn she is and rude. So like I feel like it was like the ass whooping she needed, but then it also became very abusive and I was like, oof. It like got into this like really dark gray area. Mm-hmm. And it's also like I don't know. It makes the Emerald see like a very compelling character who's just like kind of twisted in a little way. So like Jordan's always like kind of going back and forth with this like making the Aes Sedai really appealing and like very savior like. But then also like oh look, they're like very much like witches or like these really creepy uh, entities that like do a lot of sadistic things or like manipulate and abuse their power they have over others. Yeah, it was just really compelling for me. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the the dynamic, especially when you take into consideration the way that much like the. Well, actually, the opposite of the Children of Light. The the way the fact that the Aes Sedai call the novices, or not even just novices, they just call regular ass people like child in in this very condescending yeah. way, and it has this whole dynamic of you know we we are especially coming into the White Tower, and for people who are going to become novices or accepted of oh you know parent parent child relationship you need to be taught how things go but immediately here an abusive uh, parent child relationship one and one in which you know showing independence or re- or resistance like justifies uh be being physically assaulted and 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 handled around like and i was about to say the term manhandled which is appropriate because that's literally what uh swan is characterizing it as swan sanche the omerlin in that moment where where you know uh, she, but well, sort of, you know, the ability she's framing it as, oh, you know, a self-defense lesson. And it's a lot like, you know, this is actually very typical speaking of anime, but also of the martial arts genre in general of where part of submitting, uh, part or part of like training to become a member of, you know, this forbidden art or, 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 you know, or the sacred art, either one is submitting yourself to a lot of abuse and degradation by, uh, the master, the sensei, uh, the the me- the mentor, and the early processes in breaking down a person and elim- and you know destroying their independence. And I, I mean, narratively, it fu- it's functional and and effective, and it gives us something to root for in the hero or in Nynaeve. In like, oh yeah, I can't wait till they're strong enough to like uh, fight fight back and not put up with this shit but it is it's also it's always going to be i think a little troubling for me this because i i just like you know i i it's entertaining in books and media i do find it really troubling in a real life sense of what it symbolizes and what it means or the idea that the that you know abuse is ever the most effective teaching method or or even use the notion that of of submission and degradation and humiliation as being fundamental to a teaching process yeah, so I have mixed feelings because I'm always gonna I'm, I grade against it personally, but it is interesting and it's and it's sure giving me that that sense of oh, can't wait till Nynaeve and Egwene don't have to put up with this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's I mean we do I think in general we kind of latch on to that like well person has to reach a really low place or a really angry place before you see how much power they have and it was in mm-hmm. them the whole time and like yeah to an extent that's really satisfying. 
But I also, you know, speaking of anime, also really, really enjoy the, I can't think of his name, but the characters like One Punch Man that just don't give a shit and are mm-hmm. way OP. And like, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, want, I want more of that without these other weird dynamics of, you know, there's like, well, you have to respect certain groups mm-hmm. of people without them necessarily earning it just because of yeah. their title that they've taken on. And it's like, that is so gross. And I yeah. hate that so much, that dynamic. And this, I mean, this entire universe has these different like groups of people that are just like, they inherently expect respect and different treatment. Mm-hmm. And if you don't fall into that, then they do get this like, well, we're going to break you down. We're going to train you. And it's like, that is so toxic and shitty. And so... You know, I agree with you that, like, on a personal level, I hate this shit. Mm-hmm. But in, like, a fantasy world, I'm like, I want people to get mad and kill everyone. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I really enjoy that. Actually, this is, I, as you said that, it sparked in me. And I, I don't know why I didn't connect, Dan, when you were saying the Dune vibes a minute earlier. This is, again, like, literally how Dune begins is, is Paul being tortured in the most awful way possible to prove that he deserves to live uh, to, to one of these people in, in power. And it yeah. does, like, you know, immediately sets you up with that. Okay, you're waiting for, you're waiting for, it, it, it makes you want to turn the whole order on its head immediately. It's highlighting the, the injustice and the, um, yeah, just the, that, that, the, 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 the infuriating nature of this whole mentality that, that not only does might makes right, but that, that power inherently deserves deference and, and respect and, and that doesn't have to be returned or reciprocated. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I really don't know that the book itself takes a perspective on it at, at this point. Uh, I, I, I think probably, yeah, the, the, my sense of the narrative voices that it does think the Aes Sedai are pretty, you know, pretty fucked up in some ways, in a lot of ways, but, and also not as bad as people say about them, that they do do some good in the world, but also, yeah, this is fucked up. And then, and the whole notion of a society or, you know, even like real world historical medieval society, the whole idea of like, everybody has their place and it is God given and their power is always, power is always deserved because you wouldn't have that power if God didn't give it to you. And therefore it's the correct moral order that everybody uh, follow their betters and submit to their betters down along the great chain of of the hierarchy. So I, I think that's like, that's maybe why one reason that's so common to fantasy stories, anything that has that feudal, uh, or that feudal kind of mentality or setting or, um, which is, you know, not just, not just European feudal fantasy, but also like a lot, like a lot of Japanese or Chinese stories going, going back that it seems like a really common notion historically with humans that we, we find ourselves in the world shaped in a certain way. Therefore that's the way the world must be and ought to be. Right. And you just gotta, just gotta learn to deal with it. I will say that I am enjoying this kind of continuity from the first book where I remember us having a lot of conversations asking how powerful are the Aes Sedai? Like mm-hmm. how powerful was Moraine that whole time? Was she mm. supposed to be reading as very powerful or was this like a, a thing we haven't talked about? And I feel like uh, the Amaran seat gave kind of a glimpse of that where she, you know, they're just kind of sitting there chilling and then all of a sudden like they can't move, like their bodies feel like they're stuck. Yeah, and so it's just like just those hints of like you don't know my fucking potential, mm-hmm. and it's like I could fuck you up right now. And so it's like I do, I do like that idea of like there that no one really knows how powerful they are. Mm-hmm. That people don't know like are the rumors true? Is it worse than that? Is it less than that? Like I'm very much enjoying that part of it. Um, and I did have a question from previous chapters. So 
mm-hmm. Egwene and Nynaeve are being trained by the the various like colors of the Isonai. Yeah, some Anaya, some Varen. Yeah, so I was is, is that to make sure that they're not being like indoctrinated immediately by like the red or like they're getting a little bit of each different color mm-hmm. so that they can choose is that what that was? I think it's a mix of yeah of everybody is fascinated with them because they are they have so much potential and it's amazing like you know in Nynaeve's case how much she has managed to learn on her own. And also like a recruitment effort. I think it is. I think it is exactly what you're, it's like. You know, recruiting to your house to the house. Like uh, we had that conversation before of with Leandrin and Moraine. I think I think it was uh, of you know like every every Aja wants to wants to bring in one of the or both of the two most powerful potential channelers they've seen in hundreds of years. So uh, I don't think normally they would be. My my impression is most normal recruits would not be getting this level of attention from a bunch of different. Aja's and and that's probably why I don't know if you had a different sense Dan no I just but overall still like I think I feel like we're being a little too sympathetic to Nynaeve and Egwene well like Egwene doesn't deserve I feel like that was like I feel like she's the one actually getting abused whereas Nynaeve is this like she's kind of being an asshole it's like if she doesn't want to do that like if she doesn't want to do this then like she shouldn't be Mm -hmm. even bothering so she she just has this mentality I really hate where it's like if you're gonna commit to something don't be bitching about it the entire time being an asshole like, yeah. I kind of agree with Egwene. She's like, can you have show a little respect or kind of just follow the process a little bit? And the entire time she's like bitching, she's like screaming, she's being like a terrible team player. And it's like, don't come along with this. So it's like, I can, I think Egwene's being treated terribly. I don't think Nynaeve's actually being treated that terribly because she, every step she can, she tries making it as painful for everyone around her. And she's becoming really unlikable in the book to me. Like, I love her in the show. I'm yeah. not like, like at some point it's like, okay, if you're going to go along with this, stop being such an asshole to everyone. Like I, I kind of agree with like all like the, the thoughts I agree. Um, Egwene's having about Nynaeve. Like, can you stop like trying to make this as difficult as possible? Like, it's, but, what it's is, but, what is, but what is Nynaeve doing other than talking back when people talk down to her? And yeah, she and she is like, you know, sardonic all the time. And and but does that justify like being physically beaten and thrown around like without without warning or, or consent? Just that she is. I, 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 mean, I mean, I agree. Like, it's definitely playing her up as um, yeah, she is being impossible in a personal sense. I just mean like, you know, in a what in a, in a real world sense, it's like it's like troubling to me the idea that. That somebody being stubborn and and responsive in that way, you know, deserves like in, like physical um, assault, kind of like that, in the way that Swan does out of nowhere. I agree. I agree. I also think though it's it's hard to make a real world comparison because as they pointed out, her it's difficult because like her status and how powerful she is could be very detrimental to everyone yeah. around her, and they've already voiced that. So she doesn't get it into her head soon enough how powerful she is and how dangerous that can be because she doesn't. It doesn't seem to have clicked yet. So I feel sure. like they're almost they're doing this power play to show her how dangerous like yeah the the, the one power is and that she's not really understand it's not clicking for her so like I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not condoning like the abuse but like that show of force kind of gives her a little bit of a reality check about what they're getting into and I don't feel like she's respecting that at all and she's I don't know mm-hmm. I just it's hard for me to rally behind her character because she's just being an ass the entire time I'm just like okay if you don't want yeah I I hear you I'm just thinking like but we also know. That Nynaeve responds very well to being treated with mutual respect and like a human being. And that if people just talk to her on the level, like Moraine, uh, like eventually does a couple of times, that completely diff- diffuses her. Like, uh, and you know, it's like internally she'll rage, but a lot of times throughout the first book we saw 
that Moraine just state, stating things plainly and and in a non condescending. I mean, you know, Moraine's always a little condescending, but is a way <laughs> way to get, her. To get through to, to her. Yeah. And it's also, you know, the fact that, like, it's not like there's anyone else you can learn it from. The Aes Sedai are kind of like, yeah, you, either, you it's like, it's our way or the highway. You got to come here and fall into our hierarchy and do it and fawn and, and, and do whatever we say in that way. To where I, I totally hear you. She is being, she's written to be really obnoxious throughout all this. Although I was still, I still really love when she takes swan by surprise and is able uh, to, to lash out and throw the you, yeah. you know only catches her off guard for a second before swan cuts her off but when she does <laughs> i still was re really down there for that moment of her like hurling her and they both get like thrown all back against the walls <laughs> yeah, in the yeah it's a fun moment yeah i think like and her retaliation is completely warranted and that's what they were trying to pull out anyway it just it feels very anakin skywalker where it's like i completely disagree with the jedi order and the way they operate mm -hmm. In, yeah. in the prequel trilogy they're awful as a society and or, or organization whatever it's just like they're they're doing a lot of problematic things but the way anakin addresses it and both around i feel like he, he <laughs> by, by slaughtering children yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like it's, it's slaughtering children but even before that just like bitching all the entire time about the hierarchy like he's bitching about the wrong things and not handling it well and nynaeve's starting to remind me yeah. a little bit of anakin skywalker where it's like you could be the count dooku's and recognize how shitty this organization is and kind of go off and uh -huh. like start a war against them and be very like eloquent about it and like compose. Or you can be <laughs> the Anakins where you mope around and like just whine the entire time until uh -huh. you start killing children. It's like, like Nynaeve's on like the Skywalker path. And I feel like hmm. I would respect her a lot more if she was like a Count Dooku who just had disagreements and decided to like part ways and do his own thing. Yeah, like I feel like they're writing, he's written a lot of characters kind of like that. Because that's like mm. one of my biggest complaints with Rand. So this whole fucking time, they're telling him, like, you have this ridiculous power. You're literally the fucking dragon reborn. He's like, I'm a sheep herder. Bitch, me both. <laughs> like, stop. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, they're doing it to to all of them. And to an extent, it's like, all right, if this was happening in real life, of course this person is going to put up a fight to, you know, whatever extent mm -hmm. that they can. But also, a lot of this is playing out in my head as like, would this exist if they could just email each other? Like, if they could just text <laughs> each other and be like... You know, I'm not talking to you until you treat me like an equal. Uh, like, instead of mm -hmm. having these, like, you know, as much as Nine fights with them about demanding respect, she does that shit all the time as the witch. It's true. Yeah. She, yeah, yeah. So she has this exact like, attitude. Yeah. Yeah. She's mm -hmm. like, well, you know, I'm super protective. I know what's best for these, you know, kids that I'm traveling with. Even though Moraine has, you know, and the other people have proven that they are stronger and have a better idea of what the fuck's going on. So it feels like, you know, she's asking a lot of people, but mm -hmm. kind of also expecting them to treat her the way that they want her to treat them. And True. so y'all, yeah. y'all suck. <laughs> Everyone doesn't like no one talks to each other as if they're a fucking adult. So, nope. <laughs> I mean, and then, you know, they, Egwene is basically useless at this point, just in the background, like, hey, remember, I can't fucking move oh. or do anything. Or just remember, remember I exist. Like, I'm yeah. here. It's like, oh, I forgot you were there. Like, <laughs> it's just so sad. It's like, come on. Like, they got to, oh, her, her character is very sad at this point. Yeah, it's like that, that one meme that I sent you. I can't remember where I found it, but I've been thinking it, about that, that one a lot. That, like, that <laughs> setup and with all the characters, like, you're the most powerful and it's like you are you are not you for Eglin, yeah, but yeah. you are you are <laughs> like oh she just got written off because there was felt like the first book really set her up to be like wicked powerful and then they meet everyone else and now everyone else is apparently the most fucking powerful person they've met in 4,000 <laughs> yep. years 
Well, but she can dream though, so we'll, we'll yeah, holding yeah. out that that dream ability is like worth keeping her around in terms of her abilities. I this this I can say will be Egwene gets some really cool shit, and she gets to be uh she gets to do her to do her thing in a big way. Uh, we'll see how soon that comes but yeah she does it does feel so much like she she's like our observation character here for 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 naive showdown with the entire white tower and then just like kind of here to be a moderating voice but yeah i hadn't thought about the fact that you both point out is true that naive is getting a taste of her own medicine to some extent because she does like in a literal sense too she's made to taste like a foul medicinal thing because swan's trying to get her angry enough to channel because that's her wilder block we've learned that wilders people who teach themselves the one power because they are in denial that it's the one power and this is a very interesting uh real life um sexual parallel sometimes but people who live in deep denial of who they are and what they are develop these mental shields uh, uh sort of without which they cannot access that uh, that thing and for her it's her it's her anger right like naive naive has to be angry to channel and to go into her super saiyan mode uh blazing like the sun so she's got and then they're trying and you know for now trying to trigger that and and maybe uh get past that block for her so she doesn't always have to do that or find some way to work around it but yeah she she has been a lot like that with the two rivers folk and even with even with the way in these chapters doesn't she like threaten to give her medicine at some point or or, or something or other yeah she is really um kind of having it turned back around on her um, in that sense that yeah. said, well, that said, to Keely's point about Rand and his farm boy kind of uh, excuse, can we talk about the fact he's no longer using that because he has alternative, alternative, uh, alternative uh, motives right now with a certain someone? Oh, like he God, no longer yeah. wants to be a farm boy; he wants to be a lord. I oh, love how quickly that turned. Celine, Celine. I, I I did want to say real quick. Speaking speaking of people being like actual adults, I feel like. Loyal, consistently the only character capable of having straightforward, emotionally honest, and to the point conversations, and is regularly discard discarded by everyone, <laughs> whatever, whatever he sa says. So yeah, like kudos to to Loyal, and I guess you know <laughs> her her a pretty swell guy beyond being terrified of of, of this. Wait, so is he? Yeah. Heron, though, I'm confused by his character because, like, I feel like a few chapters ago we were told how, like, crazy talented these soldiers are, like, how they're, like, able to do all mm -hmm. this stuff. But well, he's not a soldier, um, right? What is, what is he? Because I can't remember back to when he was first introduced. I thought he was one of these soldiers. Is he just a sniffer then? Yeah, he, I think he, he's just an ordinary citizen, you know, who happens oh. to ha have this preternatural ability that, that helps them out a lot out of, you know, sense of duty kind of thing. I was mistakenly thinking he was part of the army, and I was like, it, his commonplace kind of attitude felt really off, considering all mm. like how how capable the guards were earlier, oh, like the soldiers yeah. that were on the trail. The way so he gets terrified for his his life and his family and, and everything. Yeah, and he's always just like, yeah, he's not very soldier like at all. I I thought he was just like a unique case, but that makes a lot of sense then if he's not, because I was just very thrown off there because it's like he doesn't act like a soldier. But mm -hmm. I thought he was part of like the military force, and they use him as like so they just pull him out of his like ordinary life whenever they need like a sniffer. That's yep, <laughs> that's the gist. Yeah, wow. yeah, that's that's kind of how <laughs> it read to me as well. That's very unfortunate. <laughs> All right, so Celine, we got to talk about Celine or, or Selena. I'm actually not sure uh, which, which one it is. Um, I, you know, when I was a kid reading this chapters, I often thought as, you know, young prepubescent pre kid uh, that this was just like an uh, adult, adult romance and feelings thing. I hate it. It's so nasty. I just want to get past it. 
Now that I am adult, uh, an, an adult with uh, with adult uh, romantic feelings and sexual attractions and whatnot, my my foremost thought on everything to do with Selene and Rand is, ugh, fucking hate it. Get past this. This is just the just the most obnoxious, like um, mid century fantasy temptress. Well, not just fantasy. This is just like you know you think of like a, like a lot of big. I don't know, just permeating the culture at this point. Uh, the the temptress figure. I don't want to say that the that these books have the the classic Madonna whore complex thing going on because um, we do have a bunch of like positive, sexually active characters and whatnot. But Jesus Christ, my 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 eyes could not keep themselves in, in their in my skull when we got to the points of like the undressing and the tempting and the you know the this uh, the, the trying to seduce Rand, Rand into accepting his uh, you know like seizing his power and and uh, and being the true hero of the horn and then you'll you'll get me as your as your trophy just just fucking insufferable was was my feeling on those passages how, how did you all feel about um i mean i i i'm i'm interested in the mystery of this woman and the appearance of her just not in anything to do with her personality and interactions with the uh, with the rand yeah i have very mixed feelings about her character because one i fucking hate her in like <laughs> so i separate my notes per chapter and in at least like three or four chapters i wrote i don't like her i don't trust her i don't like her like i just don't like her character um but also it's infuriating how many of the female presenting characters that jordan writes are over-sexualized or uh -huh. considered horrible people. Yep. And I mean, like this whole time, all of the Aes Sedai are like, this is a constant thing as like, they're not trustworthy. There's evil women whatever. And it's like, I hate that I'm being made to hate another female character. Mm. Like, fuck you so hard, Jordan. But it's also like, she reads as like a predator to me because mm -hmm. Rand still reads to me very young. Mm, and so yeah. the fact that she's like hanging all over him and then it's just randomly like, oh, imagine our lives together. Like, first of all, <laughs> I don't fucking know you. I don't know your last name. I don't know your goddamn birthday. You know, I, it just that makes no fucking sense to me. And then, I mean, we got it again in these chapters. Rand is like, oh, I wish Perrin was here. He knows how to talk yeah, to him. Yeah, there's the line. Oh, my fucking yeah. God. <laughs> like oh. I I'm just so over it. I'm so tired of it and I don't I don't like that she's being put in this as like a sexual manipulator. Like mm. whatever her motives are, whoever she is, she's using the fact that she's attractive to manipulate the men and they're fucking falling for it and I just hate all of this. Mm -hmm. And she's not even an effective like femme fatale like from a noir movie because I feel like a central characteristic of the of that kind of like Classic femme fatale is that you are charismatic and appealing, and you can see why a uh, why a person would you know like like and is capable of seeming uh, like often they're super manipulative. But at first, when the main character meets them and like you know um, like a Maltese Falcon or something, like they they are uh, you know appealing and and really. Um, sell you on their cause a selena from from the moment she shows up just has this obvious agenda and just has this um constant like you know uh dancing around what her deal actually is and who she really is and, and what she wants what she wants rand to do 
I did accidentally skip. I forgot. Speaking of like the big, the big scale, uh, epic artifact things, I forgot the very beginning of this set of chapters 16, like right before they meet her was where they're rushing to see what they think is the intact, um, statue of Ardor Hawking that they encountered, like the ruined crumbled underground version of in the real world. And then they get close and it's actually a statue to, um, is it uh, Tabalzaman or? But it is like it's like a giant like Trolloc victory statue, and like this is an alternate mm-hmm. reality where Arthur Hawking conquered the world, but then the world was destroyed. It seems like utterly over by by invading Trollocs, and that was like an effective like you know Loyal sees it before they get close to it, and he knows that they're oh, right, something is deeply wrong kind kind of thing. But um, yeah, I, I like that scene, and then seeing it's not it's not a hawk, it's a raven uh, that's that's carved in there and it's just this this monument to destruction and the death of this world kind of that is a neat little scene right before we meet the grom which is um it's basically an owl, owl bear from D, but with three eyes it's like it's <laughs> sort of described as like having kind of like uh um bear shaped vaguely amphibian or reptilian kind of skin like hairless presumably features like either like craggy or not scaly but yeah like a craggy like um like toad-like thing, I guess, more like, and then having like a beak-like, big beak-like mouth, maw thing, and, and three eyes on its face. Um, and uh, and then, yeah. Well, to, well, to that scene, though, I found it hilarious because, like, true to form, like, going up to the statue that you were describing, the one that they think is uh, dedicated to, like, Hawk Queen, it's like, Loyal and them literally just have a conversation about being cautious. And the very mm-hmm. next scene, it's like, <laughs> he, hears, he hears the screaming and he's like, oh, I gotta go help. Like, caution to the wind. This person's in, like, urgent need of help. I'm like, you're in an alternate dimension reality space where you don't know if someone could be manipulating their voice or, like, tempting you or it could be, like, a trap, like, an obvious, like, like trap. Mm-hmm. It's like, Rand is still killing me sometimes with how naive he is. Like, that scene and then to, like, the point where Celine's like, snooping through his stuff and he's like, oh yeah he, yeah he rightfully so is like what the hell are you doing and then she's like oh i just need clean clothes like she just like comes up with a bs excuses like oh <laughs> my girl my girlfriend would have done that too she can't have any stains on her clothing it's totally legitimate <laughs> it's like oh take one of my shirts <laughs> like no problem there at all like oh like that's such a good excuse i'm just like are you f- fucking kidding me it's like he's so naive it's really painful to read those moments where it's like she's clearly like sinister doing something very obviously evil mm-hmm. and he ca- he keeps catching her and he's like oh it was for this it's just like it's becoming very like like satirical just how ridiculous this the scenarios are just like she comes off very menacing or doing very nefarious things or like yeah she, she feels like she's plotting something her like clearly has this like her own agenda whether it's evil or not they haven't really told told us yet but like she comes off very like manipulative and like evil and he's just like it's not clicking for him even where there's like little moments that feel like they're breakthrough mm. moments for the character <laughs> has not it has not happened yet and we've had like five oh five chapters of this now and i'm just like okay it's taking him too long to like register what's going on here it's just like does rand even consider in his head the possibility that she could be a dark friend does that even pass through his mind or is it just like this automatically no sexy equals checks out like kind of no the, <laughs> well, they... the most that he does is he asks about her being an eye to die like three or four times yeah yeah He's like, Which, are you can sure we, can you're we, fucking not? <laughs> can we talk about that too? Because it's like still bothering me. And this was in the first book as well. Like Rand equates Aes Sedai to this like 
it's almost like a derogatory term for women that he uses that are like smarter or more like cunning than he is. And it's like, it's, it's really probably like, I really hate when he does that. Cause it's like, it's like any woman where it's like, Oh, she's just like, not some simpleton that like, Oh, I can like, like she doesn't follow like the, the gendered norms of this like universe in his mind. He's like, Oh, are you an Aes Sedai? It's like, there could be other women out there that are like pretty smarter than you mm-hmm. and like more capable and they don't have to be Aes Sedai. It's like, Stop using that whenever you think you're just like, I don't know. It's like whenever he feels incompetent or like kind of like unequal in the scenario, he just yeah. like starts equating the woman to an ice and die. It's like, it's like you, you really are annoyed. literally a witch if you seem uh, more competent and knowledgeable than yeah. me. How it's like she's clearly smarter. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, oh, you read a book? A witch! <laughs> Yeah, I think Pretty part much. of part of the the Rand stuff is like I think what they're trying to do is give us hints that he is actually the Dragon Reborn because out of nowhere he'll be like, "I'll save you, I'll handle it," but it just comes across as like, "Really, Rand? You're a fucking idiot!" Like, mm-hmm. you know, of all of of all of the characters, it was just such a bummer to find out that he's supposed to be the Dragon Reborn. Yeah. So <laughs> anything that they do, I mean, yeah, it was cool when he was like fighting off Trollocs or when he was fighting the groms and like kept hitting their perfect eyeball like yeah, yeah that was fire cool. arrowing but yeah. also yeah. fuck you rand so it's kind of <laughs> i just so badly wanted anyone else to be the dragon reborn so i'm i don't care that he's got you know these little hints that he might be worthy of it or whatever the hell he's still still annoying yeah like i, I feel like character personality aside he has all these traits i think are badass it's like he's got this cool color palette he's got this hair and blade sword He's got this ability to channel the void. He's like a good archer. There's a lot of cool fantasy elements I like aesthetically. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, he goes into this cool thing where he's doing all these different like sword poses and he's just like, he's completely void to like kind of the emotions, everything around him. And he's getting this like manipulative energy force kind of talking to him. So he's having to like block that out. So it's like, it's a multi-layered, like fun fantasy sequence. And he's just like aesthetically and just like the, like the physical appearance is like fun. He's got some cool traits, but his personality is so like comes off bland and then stupid. And it's like, ah, I just like all the all the men like the young adults in here that are like <laughs> that don't present um as like feminine or like uh, as a woman it's just like they're all really fucking dumb <laughs> just, i don't know i wish i could like the their characters a lot more yeah and i wish that they would talk more i assume that they're going to talk more about what happened to his hand so mm-hmm. he has the hair and mark got like burned into his yeah balsamon made his, his sword burn in the dream okay because that was something that they also talked about like celine did something she put like some lotion like a tonic or lotion yeah Yeah, and and it like healed the burner it healed something on his hand so like they're giving hints of like who she might be or what skills she might have but it also that just kind of felt like um like another last minute thing like i think it was just like a little section of like one chapter at the end of the chapter it's like oh shit i'm burned Mm -hmm. and then they never really talk about it again yeah yeah it's just like yeah they're they're not yeah oh i think they're dropping hints as to who she is like there's like this mystery around her she seems to have abilities similar to um the wisdom like yeah she has she has similar traits to naive naive which makes me think she might be what did you refer to it as kept a wilder or Mm -hmm. someone who teaches himself to channel yeah that's a wild yeah she almost she almost has traits of a wilder because she gets very disdainful if she's associated with i said i so i don't know if she's like another faction or if she's just like that also uses healing she seems she seems like a noble woman from uh how how do you pronounce it calien it's fantasy france it's uh, it's right it's right next to fantasy england and and or it's uh it's where um 
It's, I believe, where Moraine's originally from, actually, although yeah, it's pointed it out she, she doesn't Hello. have an ac- an a, a Carienne accent any, anymore, if she ever did. So is Celine, she's actually from, like, the current timeline, right? And then she just used one of the stones to travel into this timeline? Or is she from this, like, weird alternate? That's all, yeah, I mean, that's also yeah. for, for, like, it's part of the mystery, because, like, he's like, you should be able to channel if you got here. And she's, like, mm-hmm. not wanting to do it at all. So it's like, that's pissing me off, too, because he should have just made her channel. But she's, she's like, oh, Ren, you must save me. So it's like, you got a channel. And he's still not questioning the fact she's there. Like, she yeah. has to have some explanation. Like, she either has to channel or she's from, to Keely's point, she's from an alternate reality. So it's like, it's one or the other. Can't, like... <laughs> I just, it's pissing me off that's not mm-hmm. burning in the back of his mind more. That should be like the ultimate question he asked for. Like, how the hell did you get there? As we get all this multiverse theory stuff about how, oh, there there are like all these levels of like the closer a, a parallel universe is to ours, the more it feels like a real world and the more complete it is. And you'll meet yourself there potentially. And it's like all the roads you could have taken, you know, like standard sci-fi and fantasy multiverse fiction but that the world they're in it feels like a pale weird reflection because it's so far removed from yeah. real from yeah so I, I but yeah he's so incurious he, there's not really any consideration of whether she might be from one of these yeah similar well, but he, not the same yeah. parallel universes or 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 yeah anything well he does he does question it but he keeps questioning it to the point of like the saddle and like he oh, recognizes right, his banners right. oh, in right, there yeah. So it's uh-huh. like he's questioning, he, he questions her about being able to get to that world. So mm-hmm. he keeps pointing things out that are suspicious and then never following up on them. He's right, just like, right, she, right. she gives him a half-assed response or doesn't answer the question. And because of her beauty and just like being enamored by her, he just like kind of gives it up uh-huh. very quickly. So it's like, at least Loyal should be, I'm a little annoyed at him because I love his character. He seems, to your point, the most logical. He like has the best dialogue, but he's not. Even he seems to be like enamored by her and like the compliment she gives and the the oh, formality. Oh, knowledge, knowledge. He loves yeah. how how well read she is and all these books that he hasn't read even. Yeah, so he's not questioning her at all. He just like kind of takes it for fact, and he's been the one that's kind of pointing out all the all the stuff they should be weary of. So the fact that he's not mentioning it kind of bothers mm-hmm. me. That he's not picking up on that. Uh, do we uh, anything to talk about for? We don't get much pod and fame, but it's like very quick, like night raid chapter where they make it back to the real world through rant rant channel something with stone right like last minute there's a whole bunch of grawl men coming and the desperation moves him to do it and selena kind of explains a little bit how but she just knows enough to like you have to hold the symbol in your mind he finally gives in and does it because he's been really hesitant to to uh reach for the oneness as selena calls it and she wants him to do it all the time even as meanwhile we have in the parallel chapter uh, the Aes Sedai, I can't remember if it's Swan or one of the others, who's like, yeah, you want to be really careful about holding on to the one power a lot because you grow to, you know, like it too much. And it's too, and there's sort of this addictive quality to it of where um, you can easily effectively overdose. You know, you can burn yourself out because you come to to like, to rely so much on that sensation. So it's a, um, not quite clear to me the connection between um, the mindfulness state and if, and I guess like whether you can enter the void without, without seizing Sayadeen or Sayadar, or if that comes naturally with it. Um, but that leads to, oh. they, ba- oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, they, they almost make it sound like it's separate, though. Like, I thought first yeah. the Void was, like, channeling, but it seems to be the Void's a separate ability because mm-hmm. the... I think it is, yeah. Channeling seems to kind of infect that or easily access Moran, but they don't seem one, or, like, one, he seems to be able to do one without connecting to the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's like this... It's a lot like a mindfulness state, but it, but it is kind of uh, you know it, it, the way you get into it. The, the void is a lot like um, a lot like getting into like meditate like different forms of meditation, just like a quicker 
one, but of this practiced emptiness. And it almost does seem to be a space between space, maybe, where things are there, like the like the one power that can be seized on is within the void, but that maybe there's more to the void than that. So yeah, I, I interpret it the same way, that, that it's like a place from which you can grasp the one power, but it's not necessarily the same thing and maybe has different uses and, and people find different things there. Um, and yeah, and then they stumble out basically almost on top of Pad and Fane and the Dark Ferns, right? Who they think are still in. Oh, right. You know, I don't, I didn't read this closely enough. Do we know or have any clue how the Dark Friends and Trollocs got out of the place or were they never there? Were they never in um, the other world? Were they in IRL land the whole time? I, I think I was a little unclear on that because we do learn some of what Hurin is smelling there is future possibilities. Like he's smelling future violence and past violence in this other world because it's like a, a possibility space of, th of things that might be. Uh, and that's why the trail was so confused. Um, but everything happens really quickly once they get back, and the, and including the the capturing the dagger and the horn back from Thane and the dark and the dark friends and Trollocs. Was anyone surprised they already got those back? I thought that was going to be like the end of the book, which leads me to believe it's going to drag out a little bit there. But it's called the Great Hunt, and then they've already acquired the items halfway through. So well, the hunt I has the Great Hunt hasn't been called yet. Right. For that's or, true. Or, I keep I keep mistaking <laughs> the the hunt for the horn as the great hunt because they keep referring to it as a hunt or like a quest or whatever. So my brain keeps interpreting that, but you're right, it's like a separate event. Or um, they have they have called it an alien, right? But we haven't met any or seen anyone from there yet. Any of the the hunters of the horn to try and obtain it. Yeah, that whole scene of like them sneaking in at you know when everyone's asleep and then just tiptoe through was mm -hmm. so much like what they did to capture oh what the shit was his name the bad guy from the first book the fake the false dragon oh uh Loghain. yeah Loghain, mm, yeah. where they just like snuck in when he was asleep and rolling were, like, 20s on those stealth checks like, <laughs> yeah and so the fact that like loyal was able to just somehow walk on tippy toes and like <laughs> take it and run away and then after Patton's like no like <laughs> That was kind of fucking dumb. Like I didn't, I didn't really enjoy that part um, because then it also led to a bunch of like more interactions with Celine being gross and weird. Like shell it mm. to me. I just want to see you hold yeah. it. Like, <laughs> it's like, like oh, ew, no. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know where they're gonna go with it. Um, I just, I don't know. It's moving fast in a weird way. Quite hmm. question with that because Kaylee brings up an interesting point. Um, I thought Pat and Fane had like a connection with the dagger, so it's odd mm -hmm. to me that he was able to, Ram was able to grab it from him without that immediately waking him up from his sleep. Because, like, Matt was super possessive over it. You mm, probably wouldn't yeah. have been able to, like, pry it away from him that easily. He had to get, like, beaten down to be able to, like, take it from Matt because um, he was mm -hmm. pretty much mugged of the sword, or the, the dagger. So it's, like, odd to me that Pat and Fane wasn't holding the dagger and that was, like, close by to him, and he also didn't sense it immediately when it was, like, yeah. taken from his, like, his area, like, his little, like, radius of, like, I don't know, like, where he could feel it. Yeah, it, that really does. You, you get the vibe, the My Precious vibes from him that he would have slept with that dagger in his hand, uh, probably yeah. even. I mean, maybe there's too much of a risk of cutting himself, but but it does well, feel I thought like... It, I uh, thought it was an ambush because it felt, like, weird that he wasn't holding both things, like, before they were yeah. Like he was like fawning after them and like like cradling it and holding it really close and didn't want anyone else getting near it. Mm -hmm. So I totally went into that thinking it was an ambush and they were purposely setting it up so that Rain would go into that. So then when it wasn't, it was like almost like 
taking me back because I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, that wasn't a trap. Like, Pat and Payne's actually pissed about this. Like, he didn't because he's like, oh, I know, like, you're up there. Like, he the whole time he made it seem like he was like ready for him. And then I don't know. That part was like kind of annoying. But at the same time, on the flip side, I did appreciate that his character, like, had that you were talking about the, ch- the little bit of POV we get of Pat and Payne. He mentions no longer wanting to be like a dog for the Dark Lord. And like, we kind of get more of his intentions that he's like kind of mm-hmm. rebelling against that notion. I Although thought he that can was still really- sense Rand. He still has that power the dark one yeah, gave him. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't think about it very much, but he's also very, like, he's almost, like, pleased that he still has that and he can, like, use that against Fran. So, it's, like, he's he seems to be kind of on the rogue path right now. But that also makes me think that the show version is also fucking that up a little bit because it doesn't have the whole arc mm-hmm. of, like, the show version doesn't have the whole Gollum side of Fat and Thane where he's just, like, sniveling, mm-hmm. like, following the Dark Lord. He's like really miserable. Like they could give us that in a really easy, like 10 minute montage of like flashback to him, like following the, because we hardly saw him following the party. So season two, we could get going back and seeing like how, how awful and miserable, like, you know, his whole path was and what happened to him before we could get his origin still in an effective way. But he swaggers out, like even like the only moments we've seen him, he seems all composed. And even when he's following them, Every time he's following them, he's just like swaggering around, like life's fine. So like, true. It, Even when he it comes, it feels out like of, a different character. Yeah. Yeah. When like, he comes out the of whole, the ways. Yeah, the whole thing is very interesting with his arc because he was being extremely abused by the Dark Lord. So now it makes him a three-dimensional villain because he's on this like kind of revenge, like rebellion. It makes sense why he's rebelling now because he was treated so terribly. Mm-hmm. He's like he still has these abilities that allow him to kind of like break through and be his own character now that he's escaped, and it gives a little sympathy to his character because he was like heavily abused and like kind of like jailed for a while and like missed treated and was like pretty much treated like Gollum and now he's his own yeah. person so that's that's interesting but like he's swaggering around all of the first season so it's like they kind of skip that whole narrative arc they just I feel like the show back to the show they just keep skipping narrative arcs and kind of jumping to who the characters become and mm. it doesn't work for me because you don't have the build-up that the book has that leads now to some satisfying like kind of like character narratives like developing a little further I, like that I feel like they just skipped ahead to book two for a lot of the book one characters I agree with you that like I definitely thought it was an ambush like there's no fucking way it's this easy but then mm. you know knowing that they are making him to be this more like complex morally ethically gray kind of character I do kind of wonder then was it his plan to make it appear as if he is running and taking the horn and then to let Rand get it anyway um, like mm. is this all part of like Pattenfane's bigger thing where like eventually he wants to be disconnected from the Dark Lord and so he's doing just enough for Voldemort to be like good job mm-hmm. and then when Rand takes it he's like oopsie like you know I was protecting it but he's just so strong like I don't know if that's what it's I hope that's kind of what will end up happening is that it's you know a bigger a bigger uh, plan that he has because otherwise mm-hmm. that was just very bleh. yeah, I, like, I, yeah. Don't, I don't know I feel like maybe he could have done that with the horn but I can't see him giving up the dagger even as part of uh, Gambit under I don't I, I don't know I find that hard to hard to buy from what we've seen of him and how attached he is it, that that does feel like a weak plot like because you don't I don't get the sense that it's like the Gollum thing where the ring left Gollum of its own accord like deliberately slipped out of his uh, pouch or off his, off his finger because it was trying to get out of that cave system and that's what the ring does I don't think we've gotten any hint that that's what the dagger does although it does seem to have like a dark will of of shatter logoth in it um but i don't i don't know um that that's what it would take for me but but i get the sense that he just left it in the case right like wasn't it within maybe um maybe i should know he was he was holding and then grand grabs it if it does oh he does get it from him okay oh because okay yeah Oh, yeah, maybe. like if it does have its own personality, then that would make sense because it would shield itself. Like 
Rand would be the much more interesting host for the dagger because of how powerful Rand is. So uh, if I were a dagger, if I was a dagger wanting to infect people and stay onto a host yeah. that was super powerful, like Rand would be the ultimate choice. So if it does oh. have its own personality and would like want to be away from Pat and Fane, that makes sense. Uh-huh. Like Matt is the least desirable. He's just like farm boy who has like no talents whatsoever. So <laughs> jumping from jumping from Matt to Pat and Fane makes sense because he's like mm. a dark, yeah. he's like a dark servant and everything. So then jumping from Pat and Fane to Rand makes the most oh. sense because he's the dragon reborn. So if it's intentionally has a mind of its own and jumping host to the most powerful it makes sense you'd go to like the male channeler hmm. well and also because rand is like between pat and fane and rand who is more likely to be around i said i with their guard down right now like we know that pat and fane was in the the dungeon thing but yeah. rand's just like walking around so i feel like you know if it is kind of its own object or its its own you know being or whatever it kind of makes sense that like it can get to some very powerful people mm. by being mm-hmm. near rand but i have a question about the box though that the horn was in so did Patton Fane? I can't remember. Did Patton Fane ever get the box open to look at the horn? No, no, he was okay, never that's able what to. I thought. So then, what the hell, Celine? Because she just walks up and like pushes a button or something uh-huh. and it opens. She, she so knows a lot. What is that? Well, we 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 knew that it was sealed with the one power, right? Such that only like a channeler would be able to open it. So maybe that's confirmation of the wild the wilder thing or or another theory. Um, I think that was what we th- what we surmised last time was that the that Moraine or or one of the other eyes that I sealed the box shut with the power. I can't remember that that would have been in the first book, right? When then because I don't think this book's mentioned it at all. I don't. Mm, I, I don't remember what. Uh, so much gets moved in the show that I don't remember what happens at the end of the Eye of the World or at the beginning of the Great <laughs> the Great Hunt. It's like uh, um, just one big blur for me at this point. Um, Oh, uh, worth noting, I guess, that Selene it really, really wants him to get rid of the dagger. Is she the one who suggests like throwing it into the ocean or, or something? Um, she hates that, it, yeah, yeah. Um, and Rand keeps like that's a point of contention for them a lot because she just wants she wants the horn, she wants to ride off in the distance with him in, in the glory yeah. or whatever, and she really doesn't like the the dagger at all. So she's like, she seems to know enough to know how dangerous it is, and mm-hmm. just like she doesn't care about his friend at all. So to her, it just feels like weighing them down. And we get uh, they make it to a town, uh, uh, Tremontian or something. Uh, where they find an inn named after a Lord of the Rings reference. Uh, they find they find the Nine Rings uh, inn, which <laughs> which we are told was one of Rand's favorite adventure stories when when he was a boy. He he supposed it still was. Uh, it couldn't possibly be Nine Rings for mortal men doomed to die or or anything like that. Although the other thing I thought I I think even before that I thought of um, Shang Chi because that was fresh in my mind. But uh, <laughs> not, not not the right number of rings, but. Uh, um but yeah that that seemed like um that seemed like that had to be what that was i assume um and that was that uh, yeah I, th- I think uh yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much it for me uh, and any final thoughts on on these chapters or or anything else about the the great hunt this week so i did i'm wondering like i'm you know picking through like seeing if they're giving us hints to who selena is and the only thing i noticed is that they point out that she's wearing like a white cloak mm-hmm. a couple times and can are are the uh, children of light only men? As far as we know, I think. Um, oh, that's a good point, though. They do despise channelers, uh, though. That that's like part of their whole thing. They be- they believe that like channeling is like pretty much a thing of the dark one, right? Or at least Valda believes that. Like the. The questioners do it seems okay because that's what i wasn't sure because like the only other white that they've talked about was like there's white Aes Sedai, aren't there Isn't yes that one of the there, there's a the white aja yeah 
Yeah, so I wasn't sure if that was just like a random detail, but it's like the last sentence in chapter is 20 is like, she flung her white cloak around and stormed off. And so I wasn't sure about that. Also that um, they say at some point in chapter 18 that I said I used to be able to fly mm-hmm. yeah. in the Age of Legends, <laughs> but then they never talk about that. But then it was making me wonder again, you know, we were talking about those um, the white lines across the sky that they saw. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. are those like the flying trails uh, of the uh-huh. ice? <laughs> they're super landing like, across the atmosphere yeah like that would have just been so fucking cool so i hope that they talk more about like the powers that they had in the age of legends i mean they have 14 books they should fucking expand on some shit at some point what about you dan any any final thoughts on these well i feel like it's finally this series has been a little bit of a chore for a lot of chapters um there's there's moments i love but often it, it's just like not the like the most desirable read but now i feel like it's finally developed enough characters are far along even though there's still a lot that i don't like like what we're talking about with celine and rand uh, i don't know they're they're flowing a lot faster the chapters are just like i'm consuming them a lot easier so i feel like the books finally hit a stride where i'm like invested and i want to read and i'm interested in reading more of them i know there's a lot of books in this series but like i, I feel like it's finally getting into its groove and feeling very confident so the great hunts definitely changed my perspective on the series so far i can see why i'm starting to see why people love the series so much i couldn't with the eye of the world so it's like mm. there was no light bulb moment where i was like oh this is such a standout book i can see why people like like why the series is so beloved by fans but great hunts like starting to kind of show me those like moments where it's like okay i, I totally see why people are invested in this narrative yeah there's a lot more more i feel like the further we go the more and more there's like this sense of oh what cool unexpected thing will we see next and there was not yeah. nearly so much of that in eye of the world and that's that's when when the character work is not necessarily the most compelling thing in the universe, I think that's like a vital component component here yeah. of of making this an easy read of even of even when we even when there is a lot that's really annoying about the way they're depicted. I, I'm at the point where I'm oh yeah, I want to see like what is going on with these other worlds, um, what what they're going to encounter next. And I remember as a kid being the moment we got into the White Tower, uh, being really really into uh, what Egwene and Nynaeve were discovering about it there. So I'm curious if that will still be the case this was uh you, you know like um pre pre hogwarts hogwarts i mean there's so there's so many like wizard wizard academy <laughs> fantasy book series before harry potter but this might have been the first one for me of people with magical potential go like i read this i read wheel of time way before earthsea even and, and the um the, the wizard academy on rogue and all that so I, I was pretty into finding out how the magical school went and, and I'm, i'll be curious to see if that is still as fun as I remember that being, um, and maybe finding out more of what's going on in the wider world with, you know, speaking of the great hunt in an alien and whatever Moraine and Lan have ridden off to. I, I am curious to get back to that and to figure out what's going on with, with Captain Doman and everything on his uh, fleeing from the Dark Fronts hunting down. So there are more and more threads that I'm, I'm curious about seeing where the action takes us. Um, although I have no idea what we're covering this week or next time in chapters 21 to 25 of The Great Hunt uh, to, to, yeah, to find out what's next. Uh, and in the meantime, this episode of Wadcast was produced by yours truly. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Caleb Wimble. Keely, where can people find you on the internet? On Instagram and Twitter at Keely underscore read. Dan, where can people find you? On Twitter and Instagram under the handle uh, Pansy Dan. And you can find us all, as always, at Wattcast.net. And you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Wattcast Podcast to get regular updates. 
support the show at patreon.com slash Wattcast. Your support means a lot, like I said, but you can also support us by leaving Wattcast a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your podcast platform of choice. This helps a lot. It's the number two way we find new listeners. The number one way is to tell a friend about the show. Word of mouth means the world to us. It's all for today. Thanks so much for listening, folks. And remember, this is not the ending. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time, but this is an ending. Farewell. Time dot is, I have 250. If we could go 30, 35, and 40. I don't know why I said 50. There was no 50 anywhere on my screen. That's <laughs> my brain, but I'm, I'm glad we got it anyway. Uh, all righty. Yeah, we are, uh, we're trucking it. We're almost halfway through this book, right? Yeah, this one's blind. Yeah, that's what I was, I was just looking. The chapter 25 for me ends at 372. So yeah, we're moving pretty fast through this one. This one's been a lot easier to digest, like well ahead of like the, the recordings. I feel like with the first mm, book, yeah. I was struggling sometimes to get through some chapters prior to like the hopping on the calls. And it's like, it's nice now that I'm like, oh, I got the flow down. Like we have, we have five chapters. I read like one a night. Yeah, and like it causes it to be like I'm trying to I get I have a better like recording schedule down where it's like I don't think I integrated into my schedule even at the beginning mm-hmm. of this book. But now I feel like feel like I got a system down. I'm finding this one. So like just uh, like I, I've been listening to a lot of this on the audiobook because it's so much easier to pay attention. I, I've been trying to do that with Eye of the World and would constantly like be doing something and, and then realize like five pages had passed and I had no idea what happened. So I had to go back and read physically the whole time for I have the world. Yeah, this this is a lot. This is keeping my attention a lot more on uh, that method. So I'm often just like um, the the day or two before recording, just th- throwing that on and listening to it while doing chores or whatnot, uh, really effortlessly. Um, so yeah, I, I think wonder the, is there has anyone ever released like a fan edit to the first book? So like it's like six or seven hundred pages. Like has anyone tried condensing that to like two hundred as like an introduction to the series to make it more? There's the comic book. We there there is like you can just read the Eye of the World as a as like a twelve volume comic book instead, which is you know way fewer pages that you're down to like. Yeah, but if somebody wants like a book form, I feel like like there's always like fan edits of series that where it's like if you don't want to watch all the prequels of like say Star Mm -hmm. Wars, someone's combined all three into like one long movie and cut out a lot of the bullshit and just like it's like a tight fan like director's cut almost, but um. It's the opposite yeah, like, where they re- where they released an even longer version split into uh, two separate books. <laughs> this this book this, this series drastically needs someone to go back through and take Eye of the World and just make a very condensed version of it that cuts out yeah. all of, like the repeated in sequences and it's like 
not necessary kind of travel. Like, I don't feel like I really got the character development at all from the first book. Like, no, no one grew really. So it's like, you don't lose anything by cutting out like at least a quarter of that book. Like, I feel like that would be an easy project to take on for somebody who's like super obsessed with the series and want to get, want to get more fans. So like, I know that's probably like against like people's like, like everyone like Harold's things of like, oh, don't touch yeah. like the, the creators, like, like Jordan's idea it's, of what this book should be, but it really could true. use a fan edit. Well, the fan edit thing is tricky too, because well, I, there's a lot of tolerance among publishers for fan fiction. Um, I feel like if you tried to put like on, like you couldn't put that on like fanfic.net or anything, if it was just like an edited version of, um, of the novel. And I feel like that is the case where they would send a cease and desist, unfortunately. Like it's, it's hard to do that unofficially and still get it out to anybody because it is, you know, copyright yeah, violation yeah. to, uh, um, but it would be uh, a useful thing to have. May, I don't know. May, it's, there's probably, I doubt Harriet, I feel like his estate, like I can't imagine Harriet would necessarily be down for for authorizing like somebody else to drastically change the book at this mm-hmm. point. But I, I don't know. Not be, as the editor. Like, I don't think she would like it. Because wouldn't that be like a direct attack on her work if you edited the well, book down? Yeah. <laughs> but she, I, thought, I thought she didn't start coming in as the editor until later on. Was that, she, oh, really? was that speculation I, from us or did we, I, for some reason I thought like in a, one of our earlier conversations, we we're talking about how she didn't edit the first mm-hmm. book very much. Well, it certainly doesn't feel like she did edit as much in the editing, but I think she was officially the editor. We can, let's see if we can find out from the wiki. Never mind I, thought, I thought she was credited on it, but. Oh, then, then there's no way. Been us thinking there's no fucking way she was. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's what it was. It, was, it might have been a comment from you, Keely, or like Katie, that was like, "How did like a woman like edit this and mm-hmm. like get like let this get approved?" Oh, yeah, that well, and because he said that like he wrote all of his female characters kind of based on his wife, and so uh, we're yeah. like, well, "You hate your fucking wife," <laughs> which is so weird because it doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like they were pretty cl- pretty close, but I, I do like wonder what the hell she thought of. She thought <laughs> that statement and some of the characters. Uh, are you are you still thinking about doing uh, hosting uh, a, a Harriet episode at some point, Kelly? Yeah, I do have like a bunch of different websites that I have marked to to read through to see if I can get enough on her. Um, mm. But yeah, it would be interesting, and it interviews. is it is like super hard to kind of take out modern ways of thinking and just like you know being a decent human to be able to go back in time to when this came out and so like she could have definitely put up a fight with a lot of stuff with him like personally not necessarily like with the publisher because like at the time this kind of fits what other shit was coming out so Mm -hmm. he wasn't trying to write like a fantasy feminist manifesto by any means so Mm. i feel like if he wanted his books to sell he had to write to a certain demographic and he did so i think like if you wrote this now people would be like are you fucking kidding me like there'd be Mm. protests and it would feel reactionary and yeah yeah. i think i think it's just I don't even know if it's like a writing for an audience thing so much as this is just his worldview, I would, I, I think. Like, I, I get the sense of just the pervasiveness of all the comments about, like, what women are like and, and what men are like. They're, oh, my God. I didn't even mention they're, one of Rand's internal monologue here when when Selene is calling him stubborn and she's like, you know, you got to break a stubborn man properly. And there's are sometimes the best men once you've broken them in. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, and then... Yeah. Um, her voice trailed off, and that worried him. Women often seem to leave, <laughs> yeah. women often seem to leave things unsaid, and in Rand's limited experience, it was what they did not say that proved the most trouble. 
which Kindle informs me is one of the most highlighted passages in the entire book, apparently. <laughs> but uh-huh. I, assume, <laughs> I, assume I hope that's for... like a rage because I do that sometimes on Kindle. Yeah, where I'll yeah. like slam my finger down like, fuck you. Yeah. As I, as I highlight <laughs> it. And not like something that people are like, oh, that speaks to me. Like, <laughs> I hope not. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like this is just the way that maybe Jordan thinks of the world as a, as a person in his time that he, that he's like, he's not, I don't think he, I, I don't know. It's not my, not my place to say it. I don't, I don't feel like he's a misogynist by the standards of the eighties that, but, uh, and that it probably, uh, uh, but is obviously wildly sexist in, in a lot, in a lot of ways, but trying in this fumbling failing way to uh to be progressive like almost he's like trying to establish like, a progressive fantasy but i, I don't even but, i don't even know progressive a... is the right word um but sort of i feel like there is like this fundamental gender essentialism to his worldview mm-hmm. but that he feels like that women are capable and competent and 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 powerful in a lot of ways and maybe even i am this is this is at this point uh it, you know wildly specu- speculative but but like based on based on the sexual fantasies as they appear and the women who are presented as like alluringly sexy to rand like like selene i get the sense that there is this element of you know like being turned on by women who have power and access to this stuff while also thinking it's kind of sinister sort of thing which is like i don't know what to make of to make of that yet at this point yeah as soon as like i started reading i was like did a neckbeard write this character because it's just like <laughs> oh, like like it's just so painfully cliche fantasy it's like oh, oh it's this god it's this like sinister goddess woman who has like she's like an angel in appearance and like manipulates all the men but she also potentially has her own like stuff going on in the background it's like i have to remind myself this is the era like the 80s and 90s where they had like but even i think like the 70s through 90s like the fantasy of the era i think about the movie poster where you have the beefy strong guy with like the sword or something like the very like a new hope or um code in the barbarian where it's like the woman's on the side mm-hmm. kind of just like decorating the rock like looking all mm-hmm. sexy and it's like the protector guy it's just like Frank, it's like uh oh. well it's interesting because um who is it is it uh is it frank is it frank manzetti uh frank manzetti the, the guy who did a lot of those covers no that's that's not the one. Oh, what what is his name um cover i just had to almost wonder if she was nefarious because uh-huh. i just like she's just like cliche like heroine news is like save me right like she's really trying to fall into mm-hmm. that stereotype of like you'll get me out of this like she seems super capable but she's constantly wanting Rand to do things and i don't know if that's just like really shitty like fantasy writing in the 90s or if she has like this alternative motive for him and i'd like to believe it's like she's like manipulating him and like yeah yeah like trying to get him to do things and he's like stupid enough to like fall for it but it's better than the alternative where she's like literally trying to be a damsel in the distress like cliche oh like oh rand you must save me from there and you'll find a way out it's like i think i, I really found that. possibly uh the most um direct version of the cover from frank franzetta's cover to a princess of mars of, of what you're talking about dan here let me see if i can Oh, where'd the download go? Didn't, didn't, where it's yeah. like you got the pose of like the woman by the side, just like complimenting the man who's like the main character of the narrative. It's uh, here we go. Is this um, in the host chat? Uh, the, this is from a, pr- a princess of Mars. 
Oh god, god yeah. This might be the uh, first. Ver- is this the first version of that? Like, did this start the trope of like this cover for like because a new hope has almost is exactly with Luke Skywalker. Yeah, this this is uh, uh this is uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs series, the John Car the John Carter of Mars like sci sci fantasy ones. Um, which this would have been Franzetta, I think, would have done the re-release because I don't think he wasn't illustrating that. But yeah, yeah, like all like all those like sword and sorcery and and fantasy like ones. Str- and- that, that cover looks like strange like porn. It's like you got like yes. the mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's <laughs> it's very at least that, like so much fantasy was just like very particular sexualized like scenarios for men like it's so specific it's, and it's so like overdone it was just like so normalized at the time it's, oh yeah oh my this, God. Be, like, this could be the grom scene right oh, here kind Jesus of Christ. like look at the woman she's just like oh like 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 oh my god that pose and like the way her legs are and her arm it's like that that's not even like a comfortable pose to take <laughs> They're always like, and, I hate this with comic book artists too, because they'll do that with the women. And like mm-hmm. people point out all the time where they're like, ass will almost always be featured if it's a poster. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, or if it's a cover to a comic, they'll always give them a pose where like their ass can somehow be in it, like very prominent. It's just like so annoying. Or like their legs are doing something that's not even like anatomically possible for like anybody to do. I, I will say in Frank, this illustrator famous, like Frank Franzetti's defense, particularly, he also does this. For, oh, this one will down. Also does it for all the men. He was probably bisexual as as the evidence goes. Oh, because he like, I, I can't over, paste way over. Ugh, this one doesn't want to oh, just give me the, uh, um, but if you look at, uh, oh God, this is one of those stupid things. I can't give a, a link to, um, I mean, I yeah, can't download, download because it's a, it's a J fifth. Here, try wow. try this. This this link should should work. He has so many that are. Um, oh, it's going. No, I just wanted the Google link. God damn it. Um, but uh, if that yeah. loads, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> mo- mo- his oh men God. are constantly <laughs> naked and in, in bikinis too. He just fuck this man loved beefy bodies, and he yeah. does. Um, and he does have a lot of like his own stuff that is like uh, like like warrior Amazon type ones where they're doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, he's, he's the, totally bisexual because he's just sexualizing everyone. Oh my <laughs> like god, guy, yeah, yeah. Like his ass is like front and center there. He actually has a whole bunch that are just straight up nudes. Like, I think whenever he could, he got away with nudes on, on book covers. Um, yeah, I'm finding a lot of them going on the Google Which I, from like, the friends that, that, the that friends actually that is, but <laughs> that pisses me off less because if you're sexualizing everyone equal, I'm fine with it. It's yeah. more I get this when you're like sexualizing one like particular category over the other. It just comes off as very uh-huh. kind of sleazy. But if you're going to yeah. sexualize everyone, then I'm fine with it because like body positive, like just go for it. But like I get mad but when, when it's, like when it's like a man with like, a weapon standing over uh, yeah. a, na- a naked yeah. woman or nearby. That's like yeah, a whole it other. feels very like dominating and just very like the 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 nerd fantasy of just being like this powerful man, like cis man mm-hmm. with like your your cis woman who's just like fawning after you and like you you got to rescue her. It's like such a terrible like sexual fantasy that just like is I don't know. It's everywhere. <laughs> oh, are um, you playing Ar- Arceus? No, Jerry got which one did he get me for Christmas? Oh, I can't remember which one it is, but all of the some of the original Pokemon that are in it are like different colors. Full and... sil- silver, maybe remake. I know it's not Diamond because I've already played Diamond, so he got me something that was different on the What's Switch. Wait, is it yeah, it's on the the. Is it Sword and Shield? It might be because the um, Meowth looks fucking weird, and the Wait, yeah, that's, like, that's like that's oh, the Galarian the Sword and yep. Shield. Okay, yeah, it's like yeah. it's like yeah. fake Britain, right? Is the vibe in that one? Yeah, yeah. they've been doing yeah, European yeah, countries lately. The yeah, they're on Britain right now. Okay, yeah, I'm playing that one as well. I love like all of the psychic and the ghost and the fairy Pokemon in this one. Like they're so cute, but then they're like here. 
here comes Pony Tom. I'm playing that like, one as well. That's not a fucking pink. <laughs> like, what the hell is this? <laughs> My favorite, nerd. Keely, have you gotten, I think it's, is it Stuffle? What's its name? It's like this plushy Pokemon that has like literally the tag on his butt. My favorite, <laughs> but apparently it secretes an odor. Like, wait, let me see if I can find it. It's like, uh, it like, like a beanie baby Pokemon or something? Has, like, yeah, oh, no, it's awesome. And it's, but it's organic. It's not supposed to be like a possessed toy. So it actually, it's this like organism that has like, a tag looking yeah, thing on its butt awesome. that actually secretes. It's, but it's, <laughs> it's just like it's the funniest shit ever. Let me see. Here's a organism that has like a tag looking thing on its butt that actually secretes. It's just like the funniest shit ever. Let me see. Here's a. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, with the British much mustache. Can you guys see my screen? It's like a bit mine cart full of coal. And then there's one that's called the British much mustache. Can you guys see my screen? Like a girder. Like, I fucking, I can't with this shit. Yeah. I mean, there's an ice cream Pokemon this gen, right? Like, literally a bunch of ice cream. There's one that, yeah, looks like an ice cream cone. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, I like some of them, though. They're so bizarre everyone's like telling me i need to start playing it because they all love it it's really yeah, i'm hoping we can get yeah that i, I like I some of them though. they're, they're so one. bizarre but i think like the, me the thing that's definitely drawing me in is the it's really dynamax during gym challenges mm. <laughs> it's just so satisfying for my pokemon <laughs> to be fucking huge <laughs> big yoshi and big pikachu uh, like he gets, he's like he looks like he balloons like <laughs> someone just inflated pikachu he gets like really he looks like his old version because he's, he's like all like, round yeah. and everything yeah like it's the balloons. good fat the original fat <laughs> pikachu i, I missed yeah. the, the original he gets like really he looks like his old <laughs> version because he's like all round he like slims down to each again yeah well he looked more like you know yeah. more like a, a hamster or a mouse or originally like body wise yeah, then, then he gradually yeah. got more and more i i don't know like uh Whatever he looks like now. Some body shame yeah. Pikachu. Yeah. <laughs> Dynamite. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, do we want to talk about other stuff today? Uh, what, what we're bringing to just want to get into the chapters. Do do this one uh, real quick. Like. Um... Yeah, I feel like not a ton happened in this one. Mm -hmm. It read very yeah. fast, and I feel like we didn't really get a lot of like what the fuck is going on. But we have the new character to discuss. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have many positive things to say about the new character yeah. to discuss. So but we have um, the new character. So yeah, maybe we'll we'll do brief. Um, okay. Uh, well, all right. I'm recording. I've got time. That is. I'm on the minute. Uh, should we do? You, Wait, you give me one second. I gotta, yeah. I gotta get time dotted up. I'm pulling up the. Sorry, just getting the link. Okay, I'm on the LA one. Now my clock is getting second, farther gotta, and farther behind. Okay, uh, 25, 30, and 35. Sorry, just getting the link. Okay, I'm on the LA one. 